So, uh, what brings you here today? I mean, I guess you can see it, but I just walked in here. I mean, I feel like a million bucks. 38 years. I mean, it's been 38 years since I've even felt just normal. And what happened to make you feel this way? I was laying on my mat by the pool and, you know, hoping for my chance. Your chance? A at what? You know, I mean, I'm just sitting there. We're all sitting there, waiting. And sometimes the water starts to bubble and, I don't know, like people say that an angel does it. But the first person into the pool comes out healed. Were you the first one in? No, totally different, totally better. Jesus came by. He walked right up to me. He saw me laying there, and I mean, he had to know why all of us were sitting there all day. But he asked, do you want to be made well? Well, did you? Of course I wanted to be made well. I mean, that's why I was there. And he said, stand, take up your mat, and walk. In our series, we're looking at the life of Jesus and comparing him because the, the book of Isaiah called him, called him Wonderful Counselor. So Jesus had this way about him. When, when people would approach him with questions or with problems, he always seemed to ask them questions. But Jesus' questions were different. They caused us to think. They, they caused people to look inwardly. They, they caused people to uh, face the truth in their own lives. Much like sitting in a counselor's office, as we've been discussing for the last few weeks, on Easter Sunday, we asked the question, why do you doubt? Last week, we asked a different question, do you believe that I am able? Do you believe that I can? And, and this was a powerful question. We talked about uh, a faith that honors God, a faith that honors God. The first type of faith that honors God is a faith that believes even when it doesn't see. Can you believe it before you see it? That's the type of faith that honors God. That's the type of faith that moves heaven. Number two is a faith that persists when nothing changes. Can you keep believing when things seem to stay the same? Number three is a faith that works even when it doesn't make sense. That's the type of faith that honors God. And God honors our faith when, when we can do these things. And, and we're believing for big things. I'm believing for big things in your life. And I, I want to continue, and I want to push just a little bit further with this thought today, with this issue of faith. Next week, we're going to uh, get to our final question, and it's going to be a great one. Uh, but today, I, I want to push one step further, and I want to force you on the couch to really be honest with yourself and with where you are. We pick up today in the book of John, chapter 5, verse 1. Book of John, chapter 5, verse 1. Those of you that like to follow along on our app notes, I apologize, but the company we use changed some stuff, and it's not currently working, but we're actively looking for a plan uh, to make it work better, so we'll have those up very shortly. I apologize, but until then, uh, you can follow along with the screen uh, for us. Okay, John, chapter 5, verse 1. If you're there, say Amen. That was weak. If you're ready to hear the word of God today, say amen. amen. All right. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate uh, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Bethesda, 
which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here, a group, of, a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, and the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I am trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. And at once the man was cured and he picked up his mat and he walked. In this story, there's a sheep gate and right next to the, and, and when you say sheep gate, that literally means it's one of the gates where people would bring in their sheep uh, in and out of the city. Okay. And right next to it was a pool. And, and the pool had five, it's the, the NIV says colonnades, but they were basically covered porches that surrounded it. And you can look online, they have actually uh, dug down and they have uncovered the pool. Now they didn't uncover all the colonnades or all the porches around it, but you can actually see where this pool is. If you, one of these days when I have the opportunity to visit Jerusalem, and I hope many of you go with me, you can actually take some stairs down to where this pool was. They know exactly which pool it is. And, and so these uh, people that were blind, that were deaf, that were lame, that had serious health problems and challenges, they would lay around this pool night and day. Because what was happening was, over the years, they believed that when the water began to bubble, that the first one in the water was going to be healed. It didn't matter what problem you had. If you could be the first one in, you would be healed. The belief was that an angel would come down and stir the water, causing it to bubble, and that was the sign, get in. So when we, we, we get to this story with Jesus in John chapter 5, there's this man here who has been lame for 38 years. I'm 34 years old. That's longer than I've been alive. Much of it, maybe all of it, not sure, has been spent lying next to this pool, hoping that maybe everyone else would be distracted when the angel came down and stirred the pool and he could roll his way, crawl his way, pull his way and get in first. But it hadn't happened for this man. 38 years. And Jesus walks in, begins talking to him. Hey man, how you doing? <laughs> doing great, Jesus. Just hanging out here. 38 years. Hadn't moved. This is my spot. 38 years. Been here 38 years? Yeah, I've been here 38 years. So Jesus looks at him. Like, you've been here 38 years and you've not been healed yet? Jesus asks a very insulting question. It's insulting. Do you want to be made well? Do you want to get well? I want you to think about that question. At first you think, oh, that's no big deal. Do you want to get well? Sure, I want to get well. That's like asking a hungry man if he wants a free ticket to the Golden Corral buffet. That's like asking a broke person if you would like a $100 bill. Of course I would like a $100 bill. But, but also understand this is insulting. Think about it. If someone asked this question, 
in, in society, American society today, you'd be going to court for discrimination. He asked me if I wanted to get well. He knew that I was lame and couldn't get in the pool, and yet he asked me. <laughs> Am I right? That's, that's the country we live in, right? This is an insulting question. Do you want to get well? No, Jesus, I want to spend the rest of my life laid up next to this pool. But Jesus asked it anyway. Because Jesus wanted to know, do you really want to get well? So here's how Jesus sees it. There's been an opportunity for healing, and you've been here 38 years. Now, I don't know how many times the angel had stirred the pool. I don't know if he did it once a day, once a week, once a year. I don't know. But one thing we know is this man had missed multiple opportunities to be healed, and Jesus is looking at him like, you've missed your opportunities, and you're stuck on this mat. Do you want to be made well? And I think that same question can be asked of us today. Do you want to be made well? Today, I want you to listen to this story, and I, and I want you to hear this message through the lens of ongoing problems, things that have been with you a while, things that have made your life feel stuck in one way or the other. You're stuck. can't go anywhere. Think about this guy. He can't live the life he wants to live. Do, do you think when he was a boy and everyone else was dreaming of being a baseball player or whatever they did at that time. And this guy was like, yeah, I want to spend my life laying on a mat next to a pool waiting to get in. That wasn't his dream. That wasn't his hope. But he was stuck. You see, sometimes the, the problems in our life are big and they're visible and everyone can see them. Right? Th this guy, had a, a, he, he was lame and he... he Everyone could see that. But sometimes the problems are more hidden. They're deeper than that. And they can cause us to get stuck in our life. It could be a dead marriage. It could be a problem where we can't stop spending all of our money. And so we're stuck in the revolving door of debt and we can't get out. We're living paycheck to paycheck to paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. And we can't figure out how to get out of this problem. Our life is stuck. We have dreams of owning our own home, but we can't figure out how to get from renting the apartment to owning our own home. You're in a job that's going nowhere. You make too much money to quit and start over, but not enough money to live the way you want to live. Problems that can, that, that can cause us to get stuck and keep us from living out the great dreams and the great plans and the great hopes that God has for us and you have for your life. Maybe it's an addiction and you've battled it so long that you've given up. It's just going to be this way. I, I want to talk to you through this lens today. And I believe for, for this man, he'd been, he'd, he'd been lame for 38 years. Nothing changed. But one moment in the presence of God changed his life forever. Amen. Amen. And right now what I want to do is just speak to your spirit that in the next few minutes something is happening on the inside of you. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, whether you're here or you're watching at home, in the next few minutes, you get this deep in you that one moment today with Jesus can change your whole life, can change that situation that's caused you to be stuck. You see, you may have missed opportunities before. 
You may have missed chances to change your life before, but I believe that today you're not going to miss it. Father, I thank you for your presence that I feel right now. Lord, you are already beginning to move. You're already beginning to work. I thank you, Holy Spirit, for showing up, for being involved in our life, for caring about us. Lord, I pray that you'd open our hearts, you'd open our spirits, you'd open our minds, and you would allow us to hear from you, to be challenged by the power of your word, and to be changed forever. One moment today. We're asking for one moment, God. One moment. Change our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people said? Amen. 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 Are you okay today? Amen. All right. <laughs> Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? The, the, this man seems to understand that Jesus is implying that he's missed opportunities. Um, he, he's missed opportunities like, like we've missed opportunities in our life. Uh, instead of working on our marriage, we turned the TV on. Instead of saving the money, we spent the money. Instead of going down to the altar, we decided that we needed to get our kids out a little bit before the crowd, out of the children's ministry, whatever it might be. This man seems to feel the same thing because it's, as soon as Jesus says, do you want to be made well? Do you want to get well? Jesus, uh, this man starts giving Jesus the reasons why he hasn't been able to get well. Three challenges, three significant challenges when problems persist. Here we go. Number one, the longer a problem persists, the more discouraged you become. I don't know if you can relate to this. I don't know if you've got any old problems in your life. And it might be six months, six years, or 60 years. But the, the longer we deal with an issue, the more discouraged we become in our lives. It has a way of depressing us and weighing us down. It has a way. Do you remember when you were um, a kid coming up through middle school, junior high, high school, some point in your life, maybe, maybe a small kid, but do you remember at some point in your life having hope for your life, dreaming big, life is going to be great, talking about how you were going to be the next Michael Jordan, Tiger Woods, whatever it was that you were watching. Just, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be that. And, but as the longer we go through life, that, that hope, those dreams get kind of taken away from us and we just kind of get discouraged. The same thing happens when problems persist in our lives. We start out hopeful. We start out believing that God's going to do something for us. We start out, start out praying, and we're bombarding heaven, and we're knocking and knocking and knocking like we talked last week, and we are, we are shamelessly persistent with our prayers, but the longer we go before God moves, we look up and we used to pray every day, but now we pray once a week or once a month, or, well, we, we did pray one time last year, and we're discouraged. And we don't think there's any hope. And we don't think there's any way out. This is just must be what it is. If, if you're really spiritual and you know the scripture very well, then you've probably read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12 where Paul talks about he had this thorn in his flesh and he prayed three times for the Lord to take it out and the Lord wouldn't remove it. So he said, well, I guess I'm just going to have to deal with it. And you know what? There are times in our life when that's the case. But we just... Quit praying, get discouraged, and say, well, I'm just going to have to deal with this now. I want to challenge you today. 
if you're facing old problems, don't be discouraged. Discouragement is a weapon of the enemy that, that gets us uh, that, that attacks us and gets on us, keeps us from praying, keeps us from having faith. We say things like, nothing can help. No one can help me. There's nothing that you can do. People ask you, what, what can I do to help? And you say, oh, there's nothing you can do. I'm just stuck. Does that sound like you? You don't have to wave your hand and say, hey, that's me, Pastor. But, but on the couch, does that sound like words you would say? The longer a problem persists, the more discouraged you become. Long-term problems eat at our mind. They wear away at us. They wear away at our mind, our thinking processes, and our faith. Number two, um, the longer a problem persists, the more excuses you make. Watch what the guy does. Watch what the guy does. Seems legitimate, right? Jesus says, do you want to get well? The guy says, Jesus, I don't think you understand. I'm lame. And so I don't have anybody to get me in the pool. All these other people apparently in his mind had someone to drag them to the pool, but he didn't. I don't know if everybody else's family was like hanging out there with them. I don't know if, if they had built wheelchairs for them and just were going to like roll them in. I'm not sure what was going to happen, but this guy says... Somebody always beats me there because I have no one to help me. And he begins to make excuses. How many excuses have you made for the problems that are persisting in your life? Because you know what? It is a lot easier to blame someone else for why we are where we are or why we haven't done what we could have done than it is to take responsibility for what we haven't done. I'm going to try not to get on the soapbox here right here, okay? I'm going to try really hard. So, Father, help me, Jesus, Holy Spirit, whoever's on duty right now, I'll take some help. But, but one of my biggest pet peeves in life is people who refuse to take responsibility for why they are where they are. And we point to this, and we point to that, and we point to this, and we point to that. And we spend more effort figuring out who to blame than we do fixing the own, our own problems. We'll blame God when it fits. We'll blame the devil when it fits. We'll blame our spouse or our parents or the education system or the president or anyone else we can blame. We'll blame whoever we can. And you know what? There might be some blame to go around. Yes, the guy didn't have help. But you know what? In 38 years, you think he would have figured out how to tuck and roll one time. I mean, whatever it takes, uh, you know, find that one time where the angel stirs the water at 3 a.m. and no one's looking and you say, hey, everybody look over there and you go, something you would have figured out. There are things that we can do in our lives. And I don't want to knock the man for being lame. It was not his fault. He was not to blame for being lame. But all of us, there's things that we could do. But we can get caught up in the cycle of pointing our finger and all the excuses. And Jesus is looking at us going, yeah, 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 I got all that. But do you want to get well? You see, I don't know what you're going through today. But can I make, some, can I make a guarantee to you? Someone has gone through worse than you have and made it out. Someone did. I don't know what you're going through, but I'm telling you, whatever story you tell me, I could probably tell you a worse one and how they made it out. 
So don't let your excuses keep you stuck where you are. God, I've made a few excuses in my life. What can I do now to stop pointing the finger and stop blaming and stop giving all the reasons why I haven't and stop looking for ways that I can? It's a challenge. It's a challenge. Taking responsibility for our own life, for where we are. Believing God to help us through. I don't have a college degree, so I can't get that good job. My 12-year-old daughter turned 12 this week. Holy Lord. My teacher doesn't like me. That's why I made that grade. Now your teacher likes you. I tried going to church for two straight weeks and nothing happened. I talked to my doctor about it and they didn't know. I went to see a counselor once, but my marriage was still bad. Have you been in making excuses for why you've missed opportunities to have your life changed? Everybody has stuff. We all have a list of things we could point to why we're not where we thought we should be or others think we should be. But I'm challenging you today. Move beyond the excuses in our life and let's go after God and believe that He is going to change things in your life and begin with something. Do something. Number three, are you okay? I, I tried to stay off my soapbox as long as I could. I hope I did all right for you. The longer a problem persists, the more you learn to compensate. The more you learn to compensate. Um, we call them functioning alcoholics. You know any? Sure. Marriage pays a price. Family pays a price. But hey, you're successful at work, and that's all that matters. And most people don't know, and the ones that do don't care. You have a problem, but you've learned to function. This man was lame, but he learned how to live that life sitting by the pool. Sure, it was a limited future. Sure, he didn't get to enjoy all the things that he had hoped to enjoy, but he learned to compensate. He had friends by the pool. In 38 years, he knew everybody. They had complained about everything they could complain about. They talked about the politicians. They talked about the pastors. No? You don't know what I'm talking about? No one in this room ever complains about politics or church. I, would, I know. It's loosen up. It's okay. The longer a problem persists, the, the more we learn to compensate. Sure, we live in a dead marriage, but man, we make a great team and we are raising these kids wonderfully. Yeah, there's no love between us. There's no romance between us. There's no intimacy between us, but hey, we make a good team. I, <clears throat> years ago, uh, when I was uh, a youth pastor, I was, uh, we had this kid coming to, uh, he came, he was a high school basketball player, was pretty good, and uh, we, I, I convinced him to come one Wednesday, and I said, okay, after church this Wednesday night, uh, we're going to play basketball, me versus you, one-on-one, 
okay? And I'm in my, I'm in my church clothes, right? And I talked trash to him big time. Like, like, I mean, I was like on him. Like, I'm, I, and then I told him, I said, I'm going to dunk on you. I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dunk on you in the parking lot. And I said, when I do, when I do, next week you got to come back and you got to bring all your friends, okay? Because we had a big night the next one. So sure enough, after church, boy, you know, we're all outside and, you know, I go and I dunk on him one time. Bam! Yes, the, old, the white boy kind of could jump a little bit. I mean, you know. <laughs> so I go again, and it had rained just a little bit earlier in the day, but not bad. You know how sometimes the concrete kind of gets, it's, it's like slick, but not, it's not like a pools of water. It's just kind of slick. So I had these, you know, shoes on that I should not have been playing basketball in. And I come, and, I, and I'm, you know, I shake him a little bit, you know. And, uh, and I come around, and I plant to go up. And when I did... Uh, my foot hits this uh, slick spot, and it slides straight forward. And then all of a sudden, instead of going, so instead of going up, my whole momentum is going this way, right? And then I, and my feet grab, and I kick forward, and I hyperextend my knee and tear all kind of stuff up in my knee, right? And uh, so that ended that basketball game, <laughs> and many more in the future. Uh, that ended my NBA, NBA career right there. See, excuses. <laughs> <laughs> Six foot one, and a white boy was head of the NBA, right? No, just kidding. I never dreamed of that. Um, but here's the thing. I never got that problem fixed. I've been limping on this knee, I don't know, what, what were we, Lindsay, 23, 24 when that happened? Uh, so 10 years or so, 10, 11 years I've been limping on this knee. Man, you know what I found out the other day? I have been compensating for this problem so long, I had to go see the chiropractor. And when she took, I, was, I couldn't even hardly move. My back was hurting so bad. And when she took x-rays of my back, it was like turned like this, my hips were. And one hip was like two inches higher than the other. And she goes, that's not right. I said, well, it don't feel right. <laughs> <laughs> and she said, do you have, a, have you had any injuries in that leg? I said, yeah, for 10 years. And she said, okay, that's a problem. You have been comp- overcompensating for that so long that now you have a back problem because you've been compensating for so long. See, here's the thing. When you compensate for your problem for too long, it'll end up hurting you in other areas and you won't even realize it. That's right. That's right. The thing about the back is, it's like the core of our, of our entire body. And how many of you know when your back's hurting, there's no way to get away from it and everything hurts. You can't lay down. You can't stand up. You can't sit down. Every, you can't bend up. You can't do anything. It all hurts and it breaks down at at everything you're trying to do. And that's what happens. When problems persist so long that we begin to compensate for them, you won't even know it. And the core of your life will be messed up and nothing works eventually. So you think you're making it by now, but you keep doing it long enough and you'll realize nothing is working. I better move on. I feel like I'm preaching really good today. Okay, I just... I was trying to, like, I don't know. I don't know. I, some of you are, are mean mugging me, and others are like, hey, man. Others of you are like, see, I told you. That's what I've been telling you. You just wouldn't listen. So <clears throat> are you overcompensating? The longer a problem persists, the more discouraged you become, the more excuses you make, and the more you learn to compensate. You see, here's the thing. Familiarity is one of the biggest obstacles to our faith that we, faith that we never want to admit to. Familiarity. Being familiar with the pain. Yes, it's pain, but it's our pain. And we know how to function within it. Yes, it's a problem, but it's our problem. And we would rather the known problem than the unknown. 
Yeah, that might work if we tried it. Think about this guy. Think about it. If he gets healed, now he has to go start a life. He doesn't have a job. He doesn't own a home. He, he doesn't know any of this stuff. He doesn't have a career. His life has existed to lay by this pool. And if he gets healed, now he has numerous other problems that he doesn't know how to deal with. So being familiar with this problem, with this obstacle, with this situation, is, is staying here, being comfortable here is easier than walking into the unknown. We've lived so long with a dysfunctional family, we wouldn't know what it would be like to have a functional family. We've been in debt so long, we don't know what it would be like to be out of debt. We've had that addiction so long, we don't know what it would be like to not be addicted anymore. But here's the thing. You can only help someone who wants help. You can only help someone who wants help. So Jesus looks at him and says, do you want to get, do you want to get well? Why? Because Jesus knows. I can't help people that don't want to get help. I can't. There is a difference between needing help and wanting help. There are people all over this room, watching online, in the next service, all over this region that need help. You know them. They need help. In one area or the other, they need help. But if we don't want help, can't help them. Not much we can do. There's a difference between needing help and wanting help. And Jesus wants to know. I can see that you need help, but do you want help? And this is an important question for us to ask in our life. Do you need help or do you want help? Look at, look at this quote right here by uh, Carl Sandburg, Pulitzer Prize winner, uh, two-time Pulitzer Prize winner. He said, there is an eagle in me that wants to soar. And there is a hippopotamus in me that wants to wallow in the mud. Yeah, I want to be free, but I don't know. I kind of like it running down here in the mud. The mud's cool. Up there, it's, it's, it's you know, you're flying, you got to work. Down here, I can just wallow. Just roll around in the mud. Do you, do you want to be made well? Because... There is a difference between need and want. Do you want to be made well today? Do you want to be made well? Well, here's another thing. You cannot change what you were willing to tolerate. You won't change it. As long as you'll tolerate it, you won't change it. As long as you're willing to say, oh, it's okay, we'll get them the next time. Ah, it's okay, it's not bad. I'm just going to pop a couple of a leave today and I'll be all right. Ten years I've tolerated the pain in my left knee. Every time it gets cold, every time rain comes in, hurts like a, like, I feel like an old man rolling around the bed. Ah, but I've tolerated it. What you tolerate, you won't change. So the, the problem that's persisting in your life have you been tolerating it? Or are you, are you determined today, I want to change? What you tolerate, you cannot change what you're unwilling to tolerate. Don't get so comfortable in your problem. Don't, don't limp a long time and toss and turn, but don't just tolerate the sin in your life, but 
Do something about it. And here's, here, here's the last thing I want to say to you about that. Until your desire becomes bigger than your disability, you will not start to find healing. See, see here it is. It's, again, it's this need versus want thing. Yeah, I want to be healed. But, but my, my desire to see God do something in my life, my desire to get up and do something, my desire to make a change has to get bigger than the problem or I'll just stay where I am. What, what's bigger in your life, your desire or your disability? Because whichever one's bigger will determine where you're going and, 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 and how long you're going to stay where you are. I, I have a desire to see some, some things change in my life. I, I'm believing today that, that some of you and, and, and me in some areas of my life are going to get a, a, just a holy disgust with some things. A holy frustration to say, you know what? Enough is enough. My desire is getting bigger than my problem and my disability. You know what? I want to pray for some of us today, and maybe you want this. I want to pray that God removes the grace from some areas. I want you to think about it. Uh, as I've gone through my life and as we're, we're, we're growing things and growing churches and, and whatever it is, you see that at certain times you have a grace for things. Think about your kids. At a certain age, you had a grace for things. They were a kid. But then they grew up and your grace wore out. And you said, I can't deal with it anymore. Here's what I'm praying for you. That the grace you've had for certain things would run out and create some friction. Create some frustration that says, I am done. I can't do this anymore. I can't go any further. I appreciate the grace of God, but I'm ready for a change. I don't know if you want to pray that with me, but that's what I'm praying. God, there's some areas in my life I felt stuck. I didn't mean to get here, and I've been working hard on other things, but you know what? I need that to change, and I need you just to remove the grace, because as long as the grace is there, I'll just be living in the grace. So just remove it so I can make some changes in my life. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's time to fix some things. It's time to fix some things. It's, um, it's easier to tell our story and play on the sympathy of others than it is to, to, to do what it takes to get in the pool. Let's get in the pool. This man had a moment with Jesus. He had a moment with Jesus. It changed his life. Can you recognize when you're having a moment with your Creator? Can you recognize that, that feeling when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and, you, and He's saying, today is the day and we may be fighting and saying no today's not the day no this isn't for me no he's talking about someone else but inside there's a there's a little voice saying it's time today is the day can you recognize when you're having a moment with Jesus today is that day today is that day it's that kind of moment you know I got up this morning early as I, as I do on Sundays and I was, and I was uh, finishing up my sermon and God said, Randon, there have been people this week, even this morning, and you prayed, God, please help me. I don't think I can live with this any longer. And, and here's what God said to me. He said, Randon, I'm sending you as my response to say, 
I'm ready to help. Can you recognize the moment? And I don't know if that's you, but maybe someone here, maybe someone online has been saying, like, God, I need your help. And you have been praying for help. And God is responding today. If that's you, would you just raise your hand at me? You've been praying this way. Yeah, I see a lot of hands going up. God's responding today. And he wants to help you today. Today. You've been asking for help, and God's answering your prayer. Will you respond to him? Second thing this man did. He made up his mind that he wanted to change. He wanted change. Do you want to get well? Yes, I do. I want to get well. I'm, I'm speaking into your spirit right now that something would rise up. I want to get well. I don't care what area of life it is. It doesn't matter because the healer is here. The restorer is here. The deliverer is here. He's all here. Whatever you need, he wants to help you. But make up your mind today. When you think about it, understanding how people function, put yourself as this guy. 38 years. And every time somebody beat you to the pool, do you think he had good things to say about them? Yay for you. It's not likely. How would you have responded? Eh, sorry, sucker beat me again. How many, how many days do you think he sat around that pool complaining? Oh, poor sad me. All those people, no one cares about us. My family used to come visit and now they don't. And look at that guy. He was here for five minutes and he just jumped right in the pool. He got the miracle I've been waiting on for five years. What is going on? And just, and you, you know how we do when we're wallowing in our problems and our worries and our stresses and someone else gets what we've been praying for. And we on the outside, we're like, yeah. But when everybody leaves, we go home, we get in the car, we talk to our spouse and we're just upset about what we didn't get. Those same people are staring at him now as the healer walked into their midst. Why this guy? There were people gathered all around. Why this guy? We don't know if he'd been there the longest. We don't know if he was the best looking guy there. We don't know if he was nice. We don't know. All we know is Jesus walks up to this guy. And Jesus asked him, do you want to be made well? And he's seeing all these people around him. He's seeing these eyes. And he realizes they're going to be talking about me like I was probably talking about others. But Jesus is saying, do you want to get well? He made up his mind. Let the haters hate. Let them say whatever they want. But for me, I want to get well. I want to get well. I want change in my life. I don't want to, 38 years is long enough to be lame. I want to walk. I want to run. I want to build a life. I want change. Will you make up your mind today? Number three, Jesus healed him and he picked up his mat. He had to do something. Jesus said, pick up your mat. You're healed. Pick up your mat. Pick up your mat. Can you imagine as he first started rolling his mat? Thinking, is this going to work? 
38 years I haven't stood up. Do you, do you think I'm going to fall flat on my face? I'm, I'm feeling a little something going on in my legs, but I don't know. He's rolling his mat. Can you imagine when he picked up that mat and he began to stand for the first time? You have to know his legs were probably a little shaky and a little weak. He's, he, he hasn't stood in 38 years. He has to learn how to walk. He has to learn how to live. And yet he did something. Here's the thing. Jesus didn't heal this man because the man was good. Jesus healed him because Jesus was good. The man didn't earn it and he didn't deserve it. All he did was decide, I want change. The healer is here. He recognized the moment and he said, I'm, gonna, I'm getting my healing today. That's all he did. But he, we don't know that he was a good man. Don't know that he wasn't. But Jesus didn't heal him because he earned it or he deserved it. He healed him because Jesus was good. And I want to say this to you today. Whether you are dealing with what you're dealing with because of something you did or because something that was done to you, or because of something that just happened. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be good. He is good. And He wants to help you today. He does. Do something. Do something. Do something. It's as if Jesus was saying, I don't want to hear your excuses. I want to see your faith. I want to see your faith. I want to close with this one last story. Numbers chapter 13. We're closing now. The Israelites are in the desert. They're ready to go in the promised land. And so they send some spies to check it out for 40 days. They bring back fruit, massive grapes, figs. Here's what they say. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. It's everything that God told us it would be. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the, Geb, in the Negev and the Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites in the hill country. And the Canaanites live in, along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea along the Jordan Valley. They're everywhere. But Caleb, he tried to quiet people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this bad report among the land, among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. And the people we saw were huge. He says, we were like grasshoppers in their own eyes. Our problems can make us feel small and the problems seem huge. What they failed to understand, as big as the giants were, their God was bigger. Their God had already defeated Pharaoh in his army, which was one of the greatest armies on the earth of that day. God can step in and help you. This angered God. It upset God. He was not happy with the people. They started complaining. Their desire was not greater than their disability. It's what discouragement will do. You know what they decided? We're going to elect a new leader. We're going to go back to Egypt. Isn't that what we do? We're discouraged. The problem seems too big. 
So we give up on God and we give up on church and we give up on faith and we go back to like it used to be. But let me tell you, they didn't like it in Egypt and you didn't like your old life either. Don't let the enemy convince you to go back. That's a ploy. But Moses intervened. And for those people, God said, I tell you what, I'm going to do everything I said I was going to do, but I'm not going to do it for you. I'm going to do it for your kids. But I'm a God of my word, and I'm going to do what I said. They missed their opportunity. Don't miss your opportunity today. I'm about to open these altars. I'm going to pray with you, and I'm going to open these altars. Our pastors and elders will be here. Maybe you want to come and pray. Maybe you just want to come and kneel and you just want to spend a couple of moments with God between you and Him. You know what? It only takes one moment with God and everything can change. I have faith to see your life change today. I have faith to see your problems that you have, that have persisted for a long time be pushed away. Addictions broken, marriages healed and restored, life, diseases, old hurts and pains, whatever it might be gone he's here today father I thank you for speaking this word to us for encouraging us for lifting us up in our problems Lord though they may have persisted for a long time I declare today that things are changing in our lives it's gone on long enough Lord, give us hope again. Give us faith again. Cause something to shift and move in us again right now. Lord, I pray that even as I'm speaking, something is, the, the grace is being removed and a holy frustration and intolerance to the problems in our life is being released. And we're going we're gonna to come to the healer today. We're going to come to the miracle worker today. And you're going to begin to change things for us in just one moment. We asked, God, please help us. And today you're answering and you're saying, do you want to get well? Yes, we do, God. So release your miracle working power in this church today. To those watching online, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.